Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Parents, Kids, and Music on this beautiful Thursday here in August. It is August 18th. My name is Ian Eisenberg, and to be joined with me is Jay Logan. The show is brought to you by the Goldwaters Group and Lounge Renowned Records. On Parents, Kids, Music, we talk about the relationships that people have with their parents and children when it comes to music. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me bring on Mr. Jay Logan. Hello, Jay. How are you? I am doing wonderful, Ian. It's a great sunny day out here in the beautiful West Coast, and uh, we're having a great time out here. It's nice and sunny. It's not hot, but it's not cold. It's kind of just right. You know, we had some bad days here this week, but the sun is out, and it is really nice to see it today. So I'm glad that we're able to do this show. I hope that whether it's sunny or rainy on your part of the world, whoever is listening today, that you're having a good day and that you've got music that is just in your heart and in your mind. Later on, we're going to have a really great guest who I will share with you later. We are, we're going to be talking about music, playing music with around children, about discovering yourself musically as you're growing up. And it goes perfectly segueing into our kid of the day. And before Jay shares with us this kid of the day, I want to give you a little background about how the kid of the day program, as yes, we're calling it a program right now on this show at this very second works, is we talk about somebody who as a child is very successful and as We've had talent, mentioned talented musicians in the past. We've talked about singers. I mean, Justin Bieber was one of our earliest ones as he's someone who was discovered on YouTube and became a big, big, big celebrity as we are here in 2011. So, Jay, tell us about who is our kid of the day today? Well, the kid of the day is a great, great member of the Partridge family. Um, Partridge family? Yeah, yeah. Mr. Sean Cassidy. David. uh, David. David Cassidy. Excuse me. I'm sorry. David Cassidy. And um, I'm sorry about that, but, yes, Mr. David Cassidy. He's a great member of the Partridge family. And um, I watched them growing up as a kid. I don't know if if you did. Ian, did you? Did you watch uh, the Partridge family at all? You know what? I think I was a little too... um, 
I think I was a little too young for the Parkins family to be part of my childhood, but I do know who they are. I do know about the TV show, and I do know that it it led to a lot of success and a lot of, like, the children on that show, especially Mr. David Cassidy himself. And basically how we're talking about a kid of the week, being somebody who was once a kid and as, as a went beyond being that child star, that teen heartthrob, and continuing to have a career and even in some ways be relevant today. Right, right. I I, I was almost almost said Keith Partridge because uh, I didn't really know his real name uh, until later on. So uh, I did, <laughs> when you asked me when I was thinking about it, I forgot his name was David Cassidy, and I actually was going to say uh, Keith Partridge. Because his name was always keep to me. Because I, I was a fan of that. <laughs> that is that is funny and it's, it's timeless. Like I know that there are a lot of actors on TV today where you just don't know their real name. Like most of the cast members of The Office, if you see them, a lot of them seem to be in their in movies and you don't know their name. It's like you see Rain Wilson and you're like, that's Dwight. Even though on right. the office a lot of the characters actually have the same first names as their real name, but yeah, I mean there are some people who are just so definitively connected to their characters, which sometimes works with for them, sometimes hurts them. Like, but he's certainly someone who there are people who probably don't even know his name is Keith Partridge. Yeah, I know. Like Most people who don't know his name is Dave Cassidy. Yeah, you know, right, in twenty eleven. Right, right. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, yes, so. So, so, tell me, like, about like why you chose him today, or why, why he came, why he's come up today here in 2011, talking about someone who was a child star and has grown up to be famous as an adult. I know you were mentioning like some issues with a lawsuit or any or something going on today. Well, yeah, well, you know, when I was I was hearing about him and doing some research on um, on David, and it looks like he's suing one of the major record labels, Sony, for not paying him his royalties, and they're selling his likeness, name, and voice, and all the back TV programs and shows are in syndication, and so he hasn't received a dime uh, from Sony. And I thought it was very interesting since he was a kid, uh, you know, idol um, and star, that we discussed this. You know, when your kid becomes a star, you know, you got to make sure that they get paid. And here is the situation where I, I would think that, you know, Keith Partridge would have gotten all his money. I watched the Partridge family, you know, pretty much all of my uh, teenage life, and I would expect him to be rich and getting his residuals and getting paid. But here here it is, 2011, and he's suing Sony to get back paid, which is kind of interesting to me because lets you know that, you know, being a kid star isn't all that, you know. Uh, it's not all that you would think. And so um, I just thought that would be a great topic to discuss. You know, when you're a kid, you, uh, you, you must get your money. You know, and uh, maybe you should get an advance, you know, before you do these things. Um, he has a lot of fans. Yeah. And, um, 
And uh, I'm sad to hear that he's going through this. You know, because I really like him. Yeah, a like lot, I'm, you know? like I'm looking at the CNN website and shows that a picture of him with all of the Partridge family merchandise around him. Wow. So, yeah, this is this is certainly a. But it's interesting about the ownership of the music and the ownership of the identity and the ownership of the television show and TV royalties and music royalties. And obviously music is a form of entertainment, at least in terms of a business that is just separate from everything else. The fact is, like, in this world today where you've got YouTube videos and you've got clips of things being inserted to other videos, and you've got people sampling songs for like to remix or even like a YouTube video, a video on YouTube that some kid might have made and put together. Like sometimes it's like you don't know, like it's more about, okay, we've got this material. Let's build something cool with it rather than somebody owns it. Someone owns the rights to it. Somebody is very protective of the rights and only wants to give permission to people who will make a lot of will allow leave lead to make a lot of money. And those are issues that have been just going on really for the last decade, ever since ever since like internet bandwidth exploded to the part where it became easier for the average person to to distribute music and to distribute content and distribute content that involves pieces of things which are actually owned by somebody else. Or in the old way, case of licensing, it was allowed for other people to own it. So right. it's going to be very interesting in seeing what happens with David Cassidy and to see if he does get, as it says in this, particular CNN article, which I will post on the Parents Kids Music Facebook page, and I invite you to all go to facebook.com slash parentskidsmusic about about where we got, where we are going in our lives and how it goes. So yeah, without was, further ado, was, yeah, what's that? I was, wonder, I was wondering before we go on, I wanted to tell our audience that, you know, he only got for all those uh, merchandise, he only got $5,000. I can't believe that that's all he was uh, able to make is $5,000. You know, that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> Hard to believe, you know. And all that Partridge family stuff, they only made $5,000, which is supposed to be 15% of everything they made. So if that means that whoever, Sony or whoever, made less than... Uh, you know, by less than $150,000 for everything. The whole Partridge family thing. I, I find it hard to believe. Wow. Just like decades of merchandise. <laughs> decades of merchandise. Yeah, yeah. Decades of merchandise, uh, less than $150,000 over 20, 30 years, 40 years. It's kind of hard to believe, Sony. So somebody helps that guy, and let's uh, do some research on that. Uh, let's, nobody brought anything, you know. Well, that's all I wanted to say. You know, I wanted to just touch on that. Um, good luck, Sean, and hope you get your money. All right. I hope he does, too. So now with further ado, here is our first guest. Hello, Noah. Is that you? That's me. 
Excellent. Noah, welcome to Parents Kids Music. Um may I speak to you. I'm Noah meet Jay. Jay meet Noah. What's up, Jay? Hi Noah. Hi, what's going on? How you doing out there? I'm doing all right, no complaints, no complaints at all. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um I just uh are you familiar with uh Sean Cassidy? I mean, uh, David, you, David Cassidy. I was listening to this a little bit about it with the whole David Cassidy. I actually, also been reading uh, a couple articles about that recently as well. Um, what is your take? What's your take on that? Well, listen, I think that um, you know, when he when he signed, from what I can understand, when he signed on in the seventies, from what I can understand in general at that time, you know, a lot of the kid stars really sort of got messed around when it came to money and how much they were making percentage wise on any of these things. Um, and that's how the television industry was back then. You know, no one would have expected, you know, 30 years ago that we would be where we're at now. Um, I think I read something about the, the cast of Happy Days also doing that now, too. They're suing for back royalties because, you know, no one would have imagined 30 years from then that there'd be DVDs coming out and there'd be merchandise and this big sort of retro craze going on and that all these people are buying up all this stuff. And, you know, all these people are like, well, wait a second, you know. You know, our contract stipulated I get $5,000 and I don't get anything past 1975. And now look at all the millions of dollars you're making off DVDs and this and that. And we're not getting anything because we signed a bad contract 30 years ago. So I feel for them. I hope they win. Yes, I do too. I do too. So it's amazing, you know, how things have so. Probably it's, it's really bad for, like, even, I guess, Shirley Temple too. Huh? I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, the old, old artists, you know, they don't really get their. In that time, in that in that in in that era, there was no one, as I said, could have expected where you know technology would be right now. That's music too. You know, I was reading about um, how you know Springsteen and Bob Dylan and all those guys they're going to be uh, they're going to be making a a play because of a copyright law from 1978 that they're making a play to get their copyrights back from everything from 1978 on, and the record companies are fighting it because that's how they're making their money now. You know, Bruce Springsteen doesn't make as much money off, you know, the river or darkness at the edge of town, all because his contract back in the day didn't let him do so, and he had to sign that all over. Um, and, you know, those are just like epic albums. And here's right, a guy who doesn't, right. doesn't even own the copyrights for him. So it's crazy. It's a crazy time. And so, you know, I think that, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine recently about this. You know, this whole entire landscape is going to, you know, change, and there's going to be a lot of laws written, a lot of things are going to change because they have to. You know, there's no... Right. You know, all the all the laws and all the, the provisions and everything that was made 40 years ago in no way fits with this landscape of what's happening now with technology and music and television and, and you know, where you get your media from. So everything's going to have to change, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Well, I, I, you know, it's funny. You know, I, I'm waiting for Donnie Osmond and them to start filling, too, you know, because they had those Donnie Osmond dolls. I don't know. You know, when I was growing up, they had, like, Donnie Osmond dolls. You could buy them. And, uh, and Marie Osmond, you know, Oh yeah, I I think a lot of those stars <laughs> from the seventies. You're going to be seeing a lot of these lawsuits coming up. A lot of them, and uh, we'll see. Listen, we'll see what happens. I think that you know, unfortunately for record companies and television companies and all these things, they're not making the money that they used to, and so none of them want to give any of this money up. Exactly. But you know, the fact exactly. is that it's not it's not you know they're they're making their money because of these people who worked hard for them. You know, who laid they the foundation. Their cuts too. Yeah. So. Let's move on to you. I mean, I'm glad that you uh, you spoke on that because our audience loves to hear stuff like that, and um, we, we just hope that everything works out and everybody plays fair and plays by the rules how they should go. And uh, let's hear a little okay. bit about you. Um. <laughs> Tell a little bit yeah, about you. 
I guess we can start. We can start from the beginning and where and your musical interests and where they came from. Like what? What did your what was played like in the backseat of your parents' car as a kid? Oh, it's interesting. I grew, I grew up in a really I grew up in an interesting family. I got four brothers, and I got and I got a mom and a dad. And so you can imagine, you know, I have two older brothers who, you know, really sort of sculpted a lot of what I listened to music-wise, you know, growing up as a kid. And my parents as well. You know, I started playing guitar when I was six years old, begrudgingly, actually. I didn't want to do it at first, um, but my parents okay. forced me to. Um, and one of the reasons why, because they found out I have um, they found out I have a degenerative eye disease, and they knew that eventually you know, what would end up happening was that I wouldn't be able to see. So they wanted to give me something that I could do without being able to see, and that was my and that was guitar. So at the beginning, I really didn't like it at all. Um, and my dad, and I always just remember my dad used to sit on the couch because I always used to try to weasel my way out of practicing, and he'd sit on the couch and read the New York Times in our living room, and he'd set a timer for 30 minutes, and he'd just sit there and read the paper while I played guitar in the background. Um, you know, and when it came to the music that I listened to at the time, you know, you know, my 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 parents, and whenever I get in my father's car, I'd always listen to, you know, it was always, you know, old folk, um, you know, whether it be Dylan and that kind of stuff, or even even older than that, Kingston Trio, which is something, you know, I actually recorded a Kingston Trio song from my father recently, um, you know, that kind of stuff was really sort of a, a big staple in my life at that point, and then my two older brothers really got me into more classic rock you know it started with uh sort of blues and 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 you know heavier classic rock you're talking about like you know you talk about zeppelin things like that um and then i guess i don't even know how old i was at the time i heard um unplugged uh, clapton's unplugged came uh came out and they were playing layla everywhere that new version of layla it was all over and i really liked it and so I went to my guitar teacher said I wanted to learn it, and I'd play it nonstop over and over and over. And my older brother, my older brother walked in one day and he goes, "What's this?" I said, "I'm playing Layla." He goes, "That's not Layla." And he picked <laughs> me up and he put me in his car, and we went to the to the CD shop and he bought me my first Clapton record, first of now 165 because I'm a big collector of him now. Um, and yeah, he he got me Layla and other assorted love songs, and that was it. And that what started me on that, and that got me opened me up to much more blues, things like that. You know, sort of wanted to know where that came from. You know, every guitar player has like sort of their guitar icon, and Clapton was mine. And so when that happens, you also then start going into their their uh, genre and their sort of you know inspirations. And you know, got me into you know BB King, Freddie King, um, Buddy Guy. And then even further back, and you're talking about like being Bill, big Bill Brunzi and you know Robert Johnson and things like that, you know sort of the really old school uh, blues, and and I really got into it like that. That's where it started, and you know that's and and that's sort of where it began. It was really sort of classic rock and blues for me, all sort of growing up. And then when I got into playing guitar, it turned into to me sort of you know finding that stuff and, and trying to, to to hear more and more and more. Um, and you know then I you know. And, and that's where it goes. And you know, every band that I've gone into, you know, I've been in a lot of different bands, and I bring that influence into it, which some like and some don't. You know, I'm a, I'm a straight up blues rock guitar player, um, and it has worked in some bands, and it has not worked in other bands. And that's you know, but like I try to adapt the best I can. And you know, like I I was definitely in some bands that you'd never would have imagined me being in if you listen to any of my albums. It's just you know, I love playing music, and 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 so I try to seep in what I can where I can. Right. So, what's oh, like you... the, 
Go ahead, Jay. You know, I was going back from six years old, and then all of a sudden he, he started at six, and that's a, like a kid prodigy at that age, and kind of didn't like it at first, and then his two other brothers kind of kept encouraging him. I thought that was great, and then it was intrigued me. Did, after you, um, you know, was turned on to Led Zeppelin, did you start liking Robert Plant after you left the band? Did you? Uh... <laughs> I got a lot of respect for Robert Plant. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a, I, I'm not a huge fan of Plant after Zeppelin when it comes to his '80s stuff. But I'm not a fan of most '70s rockers who came out with anything in the '80s, um, <laughs> except Bowie. Bowie's the only one I like. I would say that you know Robert Plant, his last album with Alison Krauss, Raising Sand, that was an incredible album. That was just an unbelievably good album. Um, and that came out, I, that's been like four or five years ago now, but like that would be something Robert Plant-wise recently that I like, um, and Band of Joy I hear is extraordinarily good as well, but I've only heard a couple songs here and there, not not like a full album or seen a show yet. Did you see the movie Crossroads? Did you, did you, did you ever see that movie Crossroads? With Ralph Macchio? <laughs> yeah. Ralph Macchio is a karate kid, isn't that right? Um, I saw uh-huh. snippets of it. I saw snippets of okay. it. I can tell you Ralph Macchio didn't play that guitar part, though. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> he did not play any of that guitar no, in there. But, but I did. I have seen snippets of it. I have. I, okay. I, it's funny. I play a lot of music, but I, I am very, very hesitant to go see like sort of those type of movies. I don't know why. I've never gotten into it. Like, never been my thing. I don't know why. There's some biopics coming out of some musicians that are coming out soon that I may want to go see, like some Jeff Buckley ones that are coming out, a couple other things, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm also interested, you know. Okay, I mean, you, I mean, you talked about BB uh, King and Albert King and all of those guys. What about like Stevie Ray Vaughan? Did, I, did you get into him any? No, or? I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. Stevie Ray Vaughan is just—he is just incredible. Um, you know, because he was one of those people. Also, you know, as a guitar player, you know, so many people play guitar. I always say this to a lot of my friends. You know. They'll 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 say to me you're so good at guitar and I said yeah but I'm like one of a thousand schmucks who can play guitar like it's not like to me you know what what makes someone a good guitar player isn't knowing the chords and it isn't knowing the notes it's making it their own and you know Stevie Ray Vaughan just made it his own you know when you know you listen to any Stevie Ray Vaughan album you know the minute I hear that guitar I know it's Stevie Ray Vaughan you know mm-hmm. and that's because of the style he played the tone that he got from his electrics like that's just how it was you know like. You know, not many people know, for instance, that Stevie Ray Vaughan played most of the lead guitar, if not all of it, I think, on the Let's Dance album, David Bowie in the mid-80s. No one knows that. But if you listen to it, it's got Stevie Ray Vaughan all over it. You know? He's right. on, he's, right. he's everywhere. And, like, when you listen to it, you know that that's Stevie Ray Vaughan playing. Um, and that's one of the things I really like about Stevie Ray Vaughan. I actually got, I think I got, I think it's him and Albert King. A CD came out last year <laughs> of him and Albert King playing. It was called In Session, which I recently just got. And it is so good. To see sort of like, you know, the old school blues with the, at that point, new, you know, the new bluesman playing it was just incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. I just don't think Stevie's got enough credit. There's people who love uh, him. Steve, there, you, you, cannot, people. you cannot say anything bad about Stevie Ray Vaughan when it came to guitar. He's just incredible. He was unbelievable. Right. Right. So did did you, did they, did you uh, do you read music too, tablets? Do you read tablets? I used to. Read, uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to. I don't do it anymore mainly because my site's not as good as it used to be. That's one of the main problems. And, you know, when I got, I would say like right, right when I was around 15, 16 years old, I got good enough guitar playing that I could fake it. So I was okay. actually sort of, sort of sort of a naughty boy. And so, like, my guitar teacher would 
you know, teach me something one week and I was supposed to practice for the next week. And I played it for him. He'd be like, you played that great, but that was just because I remembered what he had played the week before and I just copied it. Um, and, you know, I really sort of, when I once I hit like 14, I really did stop practicing everything he gave me. And I would just listen to old records and old CDs and old tapes and go through my brother's, you know, Grateful Dead albums, anything that I get my hands on, and I'd just play with that instead. I used to shake the house wow. and turn my stereo up as loud as it possibly could, and I'd just play along with, you know, you know whatever whatever blues or rock albums I could find at the time and just play along with them and learn them and learn the style. So, you know, that's that's sort of where I went. So I haven't read music in years and years and years. I'm sure I could. I'm sure it's like riding a bike. If I sat down and actually tried, I'm sure I could figure it out again. Well, if you, if you wanted to know, some of the greatest songwriters and musicians did meet music. Uh, good example, uh, John Lennon. They didn't read uh, the Beatles. Didn't read a note. Um, yeah. But look what they did. They wrote the greatest music catalog ever to hit the planet. So what uh, does that mean? You know. It's incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I I mean, like, also, I mean, I don't know. It's funny. I I collect unreleased music, um, bootlegs, mm-hmm. things like that. Whenever I can get my hands on. Um, especially from that sort of period of the 60s and 70s of sort of blues and rock. Um, and one of the things that I really love more than anything else is listening to demos, uh, original mm-hmm. demos of songs before. I like to see where a song started. Not as much, I, okay. I mean, like I like where it ended, but I always like where it started more. And, you know, I actually have a couple of Beatles demos. And to hear where those songs started and where they took them, you know, where they ended up, it's just unbelievable. You know, hear John Lennon playing, you know, Strawberry Fields Forever and seeing sort of where he started with it just him and an acoustic guitar, uh-huh. and hear where it ended up, you're, it just blows your mind. You're like, oh, my God. It's just, it's just genius. Well, that, you know, it's incredible. That must have been incredible. You got those little demos like that. I love that stuff. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's, uh... So, you know, like, out of the guitar bands that you, um, do you have, like, your three top favorite, like, you know, guitar bands that, you know, all the way Street. from the, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a rough call. That's a rough one. Um so hard. I would say that, like, I don't know, like, for me, if I, let's say, if, if you said to me, pick your three favorite guitarists right now, um, you know, three favorite guitarists of all time, you know, Clapton would be number one for me. Hendrix would definitely be probably number two or three. Um, and then, you know, honestly, though, I can't play like him for anything. Eddie Van Halen would probably be in my three. I like he's just so different. It's just it's such a different sound. He does <laughs> such amazing things with a guitar that no one else had ever done before. Um, right. You know, but like when it comes to guitar bands, there's so many bands with so many guitars. Like you can't really, like to me, it's just a matter of what bands. You know, every band nowadays has a has, puts puts you know, you know, verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus together, and then there's a guitar solo left in there somewhere. But the question is, which bands make it so that their guitarist says something with it while they play? You know, and you listen to like bands like great, you know, great example is you know Guns N' Roses. You know, Appetite for Destruction. You know, Slash was their lead guitar player, but he, you know, that's Slash. You know, that's him. He's an icon, and when he plays guitar on all of those albums, that's Slash playing, and it's his own thing. You know what I mean? That's the thing I look right. for. Same thing with Eddie Van Halen. You know, Eddie Van Halen, his guitar playing made Van Halen. Um, it was it was what sort of you know it, it rose above the music at times to to shine on its own and that's what I look for in, in you know bands like that but it's so hard nowadays there's not many bands that really do that anymore you know there are not many these bands that have these characters like that that aren't sort of established right. already that have these sort of character guitar players that you're just sort of like wow you know John Mayer is a great guitar player he never banks on it ever unless you go see him okay. live really 
You know, I mean, listen, John, John Mayer is an exceptional guitar player, and unless you go see him live, you really can't possibly fathom how good he actually is. I mean, he's unbelievable. So what do you think about this uh, put-together Chicken Foot band? Ah, Chicken Foot. That's with Sammy Hagar, Mike, Michael Anthony, the dude from Joe the Chili Satriani. Peppers, and Joe Satriani. Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard like one or two songs. I like it because I like the eclectic group that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sammy Hagar to me sometimes is hit or miss with the songwriting, but like the three musicians behind him, like the that's just they they could do, they can do some unbelievable stuff. So I mean, I don't know. Like I haven't heard enough to be able to give like a good knowledgeable opinion on it, other than to say the couple mm-hmm. things that I have heard were pretty good. I liked them. I, it wasn't a hundred percent for me, but they were good. You know, like you look at like for me, like supergroups that have come out recently, which I guess you can call them supergroups. You like take a look at like Queens of the Stone Age. You know that album. You know, or them Crooked Vultures, who are basically Queens of the Stone Age plus um, um, Jones from Zeppelin. You know, you listen to you know I listened to them Crooked Vultures recently. That album is unbelievable. It is just unbelievable, and it's such a different group of people coming together to make such interesting, weird music. You know, I don't know. Supergroups are interesting. Right. I'll tell you the supergroup I'm really interested in is Mick Jagger's new supergroup that's coming out. I want to hear what that's all about. Okay. Uh, Mick Jagger. That, that was interesting. Stone. I know, like, I've heard that song on the radio, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, it's definitely, I actually haven't even heard the song yet. I know the album's coming out, and I'm interested to hear it, because it's an interesting group of people. Okay. Uh, you know, I just haven't heard it yet, so I don't know. I, what did you think? I heard the song. I, I, I like the song. The song is it's good. The song is good. Um, these supergroups are coming out, and I, by leaving Chickenfoot, I wanted to let you know they're bragging about this is supposed to be the greatest rock album that came out in ages. This new album they're working on, so they got this buzz on that. Uh, yeah. Sammy Hager is just on the internet, just saying how great this thing is, and it's going to be one of the top albums, rock albums that's come out in the last twenty years. So, well, Sammy Hager well, he, is really well, running his mouth off. He's <laughs> real good at running his mouth off. But I'm not to say that he doesn't. I, listen, I, I I was a Van Halen fan and I was a Van Hagar fan. So trust me, I got I got a lot of respect for for for, for Sammy Hagar. But uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm 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 open to it. I want it. I think that like the band itself is a great group of people and an amazing bunch of musicians, and they probably can come up with some great stuff. I'd just be interested to hear. But Sammy Hagar, any anything that he sings into a microphone, he thinks is gold. So of course. <laughs> You know, I want to ask Noah one question. This is kind of um, kind of a funny question. Okay, guitar solos. How long? Should, how long should a guitar solo be technically before you bore the audience? How long before you know the guitar player? He's all into it. The rest of the band is mad because this guy is just going too long. What do you think a good? Where should that cut off come? You know, it's an it's an interesting question. And if you ask someone like me as a lead guitar player, I'll say forever. I, okay. Here's the thing. Uh, I, okay, this is this is an interesting question. So, a guitar solo should go on as long as the as 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 the band is feeling it and the people out there feeling it. This is a good example. You know, like, you know, fish. I like fish. I got I got no beef against fish. All right, but like, you know, the song like "You Enjoy Myself," which can go on for like what eighteen to twenty minutes, something crazy like that. You know, I listen to that, and I just I think get bored. it's two and a half hour at times. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, I just sort of get bored of it after a while. 
because it's the same sort of like there's some really great moments and then all of a sudden they're doing that weird fish blah, 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 and everything's like playing different. You're like, well, what the hell's going on right now? You don't really know what's happening. I'm not a huge fan of that, but then like you know you listen to like I have this 25 minute long um, Clapton Santana jam from '75, 25 minutes long, and to listen to those two like duel it out for 18 minutes is just ridiculous. Like two okay. guys, top of their game, mid seventies, two guitar gods, just dueling it out back and forth. That being said, someone who doesn't play guitar may be like, "This is the longest twenty-five minutes of my life." Well, <laughs> oh, it's hard. I think again, I think to each person it's different. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that it's um, it's definitely something that's. Um, hold on. Hold on. All right. So I mean, like you know. In, in general, like it's, it, I think it's to each their own. I think it's about it. When you're playing music, it, it's to me at least the way I always see it, and, and, I, and musicians always sort of say differently about this kind of stuff. Some think one way, some think the other. If I'm playing live for people, it's just as important for me that the people who I'm playing for enjoy it as okay. me playing it. You know, and for me, if I'm going on for 20 minutes and then I enjoy it, I don't want to go on for 20 minutes. Uh, to me. And do you get do you get bored? Like you go see fish. At, is it some point to where when the solos are going on that you say, hey, I want to hear the song again, or you just enjoy the you, whole you know, you, you know what? It really depends on the day, depends on the show, depends on what I'm in the mood for. Yeah. I know, for example, like there are certain songs, like as you say, you enjoy myself, which is one of their earlier songs that they still play constantly. Sometimes It also depends on how often I see them, where it's, like, you know, one rule I have is when I go see a concert, the day of the concert, I do not listen to that band that day yeah. at all that day because I exactly. just want to be surprised. Well, like, listen, as a guitar player, this is great. One of, one of you know, Fish is a great example of these bands. Like, to me, you know, you know, Trey is just so exceptional at what he does. You know, it's still one of my favorite I, – I, I love live music, and one of my favorite live discs – one of my favorite live tracks on any of the discs I have still to this day is Chalk Dust Torture from uh, a live one. Because that is just a sick guitar solo. And it's just this, this back and forth between building and building and building until finally he just lets it loose at the end of that solo. And that's a solid 9-10 minute long version, I think. Um, but there's some, it's just to me as a guitar player, it's, it's so interesting because there is that build up and there is this sort of playfulness back and forth between the whole band. You know, everyone's getting their turn to sort of mess around a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's building and building and building to this unbelievable sort of, you know, tray just letting loose and just, you know, bending that high E up, and next thing, and it's just singing, and you're like, that's unbelievable, you know? So really, I, I, I think that it just depends on the situation, the song, and like you said, the mood you're in and, and, and the feeling of the band at the time. You know? And the audience. And, and, yeah, and the audience, you know, everything sort of factors in with that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, just like we're talking about rock, we're talking about guitars. I mean, there's some people who can care less about that. No, of course. Of course, and that's fine. Like, I, I could sit and talk about yes, guitars so. for hours. If you ask you know, we, my my girlfriend, we, she's quite happy with not talking about it at all. So it really all depends on who you're talking <laughs> to. Well, we, we, let us know, what, what is your rig like these days? Uh, you know, for me, I've been playing a lot more acoustic recently. So I have an old... Um, I have a Pete Townsend signature Takamine from the early 2000s. They don't make them anymore. That's my main one that I just play because I'm only sort of solo acoustic now. Uh, when I play live, I'm a Fender guy. I have about four Telecasters and five Strats, all Ooh, set up differently. Um, mm-hmm. My main, my main 
my main rig that I set up when I play electric right now is I have a custom shop strat through a Cyber Deluxe um, mm-hmm. uh, amp and a couple stomp boxes. Oh, wonderful. Any Line 6 stuff? Um, I've played through Line 6 stuff. It's not particularly my thing. It's okay. Nothing great. It's it's I okay. I I'm the modeling stuff is weird to me. I don't know why I, I, I never really got into it. I tell you what I did like from Line Six though. I played some of their amps there, all right. I loved that Variax guitar thing though they came out with that okay. acoustic that had like the twelve acoustics built into it. Yep, I see that, that right. thing was awesome. <laughs> I'd go into so a what, guitar center what? like every other week and play that thing. I loved it. So what did your mom and dad bring you at six years old? I'm just curious. You know, now you got all this great stuff. What was that a Woolworth guitar, Sears or catalog? What came in out? They bought me a real, <laughs> a real cheap classic guitar from Woodside Music in Hillsdale, New Jersey. They bought me, a, I think it was probably about fifty bucks. It was a trainer guitar, um, mm-hmm. and it was this little little guitar. It was a classical, and that's what I started on. Um, wow. and as I said, I've I've built up about 31 different guitars, but it's funny. I still play that one every now and then. I love it. It's my first guitar. I said there's all when beat up. It's got dings all over it. I love it. <laughs> so when did you get? When did you start get the finger strength and the dexterity in your fingers? I mean, how 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 long did it take? I mean, to, as a that kid? comes after a few months. You know, after a few months, if you really stay with it, then then you know that kind of stuff builds up the calluses in your fingers and the finger strength and all that. You know, but it's also something you got to keep going at you know if i go a week without playing guitar which is rare um you know when i pick one up again my fingers are sore and the calluses are already starting to break down and they got to build back up um you know it's definitely you know it's something you just got to keep with once they're there then you got to keep them there or else you know like i said if i go to a week or two without playing guitar i pick it up and and it takes me a real long time to warm back up yeah okay Okay. Got to be low action. It can't be high. I can't. I hate high action. I can't. I can't deal with it. I, I, I cannot deal with it. <laughs> Were your parents kind of after they bought the guitar and all the loud noise? Would it would would it kind of depressed after that? And like, why did you do this? <laughs> right. how, did that, um, how did that work out? I would say that my parents were pretty cool with it. I mean, they they were always pretty supportive of it. I know that, like mm-hmm. you know, my mom didn't really mind as much when I was playing the music as loud as possible and sort of wailing on my electric. I know that when my dad would come home from work, though. The knock on the door would come, and he'd be like, "Time to turn it down, buddy." Um, you know, but I, I mean, I think that you know, my parents—they never ever sort of stopped pushing me to play, and they were always supportive. And they, you know, they were great parents when it came to that. They, you know, they support me now, where I'm paying sort of acoustic, you know, sort of rock now, which they like much more, I think, than let's say my high school band stuff. But you know, they were right there with me when I was playing in my loud garage band you know, in in, wow. in in high school and and my, you know, silly little bar band that I had in college, you know, they were with it through all of that and they were there and they were hanging out and having a great time through it all. So um they've always been supportive. It's never been anything that I think that they regretted. Um and it's never been something that, that you know, that, that I ever regretted them pushing me to do and, and it's it's probably the best gift they ever gave me. And it, where did where did the brothers come in, the two older brothers? Were they just they just the two older brothers they didn't. My two younger brothers did. My brother Dove played piano and bass for a little while. My younger brother Sidney plays guitar and saxophone. My older brothers, they never really got into it. My older brother Jared wanted to play drums. My parents said no. Okay. <laughs> That's the one thing. My parents were like, you can play any other instrument. We don't want you banging in drums in this house all night long. No way. 
So that was the only only thing they ever gave the veto to was a drum kit in the house. And did they have a huge record collection, like your your dad, mom? Yeah, my dad's got a real big record collection. Um, and there's like a whole, I mean, like I can't even, it, the amount of stuff he has and the gamut that it runs, I mean, it's crazy. Um, he just, you know, he's he's a guy who also loves music. Like I said, I always used to remember when I was younger, I used to drive around in my dad's, my dad's, my dad's Cadillac, and we would drive around and listen to the Kingston Trio box set over and over and over again. And I would just, you know, listen to this, you know, you know, 50s pop folk. It was awesome. I loved it. You know, and he was really into that kind of stuff, and you know, he sort of opened my eyes, you know, to 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 that genre of music, which then opened my eyes to a lot more after that, you know, which then opened the door to like the '60s folk when you're talking about, you know, Dylan and Joan Baez and all that kind of stuff, and then you know, listening to that kind of stuff, you know, opening up me up more into more the electric side and just sort of following the 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 following the transitions from there. So it definitely, it's it's it came, you know, from from the beginning. It came from back in the day. Parents forced me to play guitar and and listening to, to to old folk and old blues and rock with my brothers and my parents and that's why I do what I do now. Wow, wow, that's uh, that's uh, that's that's. Yeah, so though, do you have any final thoughts about um really just like the future of music and how it just relates to families and how obviously how how the gift that your family gave you as a child can be passed on to future generations and just creating relationships, not just so much about between music, but just the relationships with family themselves. You know, I think that when it comes to sort of the music landscape right now, you know, I think that one thing that parents should do, I think parents are very, very quick to to judge music and say, this isn't for my kid or this is for my kid. I think it's important to sort of watch what your kids are listening to to make sure, because there is some sort of, in my opinion, negative sort of influenced music out there, don't get me wrong. Um, but I also think that it shouldn't be a situation where you're closing your doors to the kids. You know, it's not it's not just Disney or, 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 or something, you know what I mean? Like, you got to make sure that their eyes are open and, and sort of, you know, they take all of that music in. And if you want your kid to, like, learn an instrument or learn music, it's, it's it's all about starting young and opening them to the idea of different types of music. You know, my boss, he's a great guy. You know, he was huge into the punk scene in the 70s. So this is, you know, his daughter now, she's awesome. She walks around listening to Justin Bieber and all these things, and then she throws on a Clash album. And she'll, you know, throw on, you know, she'll throw on Velvet Underground. And, like, you know, to listen, it's such an interesting sort of, it's just important, in my opinion, to sort of run the scope of music. One of the things and one of the reasons why, you know, I think that, you know, I turned out the way I did with my guitar playing and sort of games is because like my parents ran a scope, whether it be from folk to rock or, or blues. And then when I went into, into high school, I started learning different stuff. And I got, you know, all of my best friends were more into like Smashing Pumpkins and into uh, you know Pearl Jam and, and that sort of more grunge, sort of louder thing. And that opened my eyes to that. And it's all about just sort of letting your kids sort of explore music because there's so much to explore. And I think that so many parents nowadays, I think that they just sort of say. You know, here's the Selena Gomez Disney sort of landscape, and this is what I want my young kid listening to. And I don't think it needs to be that. I think it needs, to, like I said, I think it needs to be watched because there are some negative influences in music nowadays. But I don't think that that means you can you have to close the door to like what could be an amazing array of music that your kids can be getting into, um, and just sort of from different genres and different fields and different you know just coming all together in one. And it really sort of 
you know, get your kid to love music, and then they'll love music forever, you know? That's what I would say. Well, Noah, we thank you very much for joining us today, sharing yourself and just sharing your insights today. Hey, not a problem, guys. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. And that was Noah Wilkerm. How how about that, Jay? Just another amazing guest today on our show. And he brought just another different aspect to it. And where the fact that, I think the thing that completely just made me is the fact that he was, that his parents were the ones who first brought him into making music to begin with. Yeah, I thought that was very, uh, very excellent interview. And the fact that how he was a kid and he wasn't digging it at first. And then after a while, he kind of got it and said, hey, this is cool. And then became a great, great musician. And that's a good story in itself. That's a good story. And he's so knowledgeable about everything. And, I mean, we went everywhere with uh, with him. Uh, talked about equipment, his youth, his parents, his brothers. All of the great guitar players, the super bands, uh, the clash. I mean, it's just we were everywhere. So that's why this is a great show, because we can, we can touch on everything. And uh, I really enjoyed having him. I had other questions, but I know we're running out of time. And uh, maybe, again, he might come back on the show. It would be great to have him on a show, maybe with some other guitarists or uh, musicians or kid kid prodigies, you know, they've been playing since they were kids. And that's, uh, that's wonderful. Excellent stuff. I mean, definitely a great show today. So I invite you, want to listen, um, would you like to hear about when next week's show is going to be? Sure. All right, everyone, next week's show is going to be at the same time. It's going to be Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon on the West Coast. So going with the music and going with everything, even going back to the beginning of the show with David Cassidy and his music and his lawsuits and just being able to um, get the compensation for what you create and what the Wilkers have created as a family musically, like, what are your final thoughts of the day, Jay? Well, I was glad that we talked about Mr. Cassidy, David, and also we found out about the Fonzie and the happy days. They're not happy. Happy days are the unhappy days. Because, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, it's very, very interesting to see, as he brought up, that, you know, since technology has changed everything and made the world much bigger, there's more money to be made. And by these big, huge companies not going back and paying the residuals, to uh, to these artists, and they're still making money off of them, there are going to be new laws and changes, which is definitely it needs to be. If you want to make money off some old stuff, you still have to pay. You can't just rape the young people or the young artists or the old artists of the old days and just get the money and don't pay them or their families. So I, I encourage that all the big major uh, record companies and media companies get ready for a fight because people are now knowledgeable that they deserve to get paid, even if you use stuff from 30 and 40 years ago or 50 or 100. I mean, I guess, uh, Ian, if Bach, Sebastian Bach was alive, he would want his money too. It would only be fair. So you guys just pay up and um, be fair. And that's my thoughts for the day, you know. Wake up and smell the coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, 
We thank everyone for joining us today, and we'll see you next week on this show. Have some end credits to share. Parents Kids Music is brought to you by the Goldwaters Group, Ian Eisenberg, that's me, Jay Logan, that's you, Lounge Renown Records, and the Play for Life nonprofit organization. We invite you to tune in next week, same time, 12 noon on Thursday, and 12 noon on the West Coast, 3 p.m. on the East Coast. Thank you, Jay. It's been an excellent show today. And we will talk to you all. And, Jay, we will talk to you next week. Next week. We will see you then. Thank you, everyone, and have a great day. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.